Um, like Matt said, we're coming into the Christmas season, so, um, and as a Christmas season, I think even I'm guilty of this, is we aren't really thinking about Jesus coming to earth most of the time. We're not. The first thing we think is, um, I'm getting a lot of food on Thanksgiving, and we're not really thinking about what we're thankful for. We're thinking about all the food, right, and who we're going to see. I mean, not, we're not deliberately, we're not, we're not doing it to be like, we, it's just natural to us, you know, and then, you know, we think about, oh, I got to go shopping, I got to get all these gifts, and sometimes we've spent hours and days and weeks thinking about everything except the reason for Christmas, and we all do it, and it's not, and so I started thinking, you know, I need to actively think about why I'm excited for Christmas, why I'm excited for this season, um, because it is really hard, I think, and it's easy to let other things come in the way and be like, on the way here this morning, can I be like real with you guys? Can you handle that? So on the way here this morning, I was thinking, you know, we're taking this course, and it's called Thriving Church Leadership. You know, me and Matt are taking this. And I'm thinking, you know, we were joking this morning. I said, oh, you know what? There's fog. Can't go to church on a Sunday when it's fog. And then we started going, it's windy. There's wind. It's like five months. We can't do that. Oh, my gosh. There is snow on the edge of the ground. It is wet. You can't go to church on a Sunday. What are we thinking? You know, we start thinking about how people's mind is. You know, there's a football game at 4 o'clock today. Can't get up and go at 10. There's a football game at 4. I have to prepare all day to watch that. You know, I only get to sleep in one day a week. So, you know, that's just... And we started thinking about, like, we just started... I mean, it was a joke because we're, we're talking about that. But I started thinking about that and I thought, you know, really, it has to do with our priorities of my heart. Right. And I'm like, God, I keep wanting things from you, um... And the world wants things from you, but they don't know you. They don't take time with you. And when you don't, like Matt said, when you're not the microwave God at that moment, they seem to be like, well, I've got other things that I got to do because you're not handling it, God, I'm going to. And so you don't see them for a long time. Or or um, it seems like they were they loved God for a season and now it's like, well, now I'm in this season where, you know, I'm working or something like that, where God cannot coincide with every area of your life. And I think we all fall into that sometimes where other things become a priority over God. And then we're like, God, I don't know what's going on. I'm just, you know, everything's going right. But internally you're like, why do I feel like this? And God's like, that's because you've missed me. It's because you've missed me. And I started thinking about that is, is waiting. We have a really hard time waiting. Like, and Matt didn't know what I was going to speak about, so it was awesome that, that what you gave was like an intro to what I'm going to talk about today. And so um, I'm just going to declare over you guys today that, um, God, I just thank you for this message that is coming. I just declare over every single one of them that um, you have such an amazing plan and a purpose and and your timing is exact, Lord. It is every single thing, every blessing that comes in their life, every idea comes at the exact right time. I just thank you for that. I thank you that they just are committed to you, Lord, and that, and that you are committed to them in every season. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. I declare that is what is, that is what's happening. So it's this waiting, like we kind of have gotten used to that we don't wait. My kids have really helped me the last couple weeks, like when people pull in front of me and stuff, they're like, mom, you can wait 30 seconds. I'm like, get out of my way. And they're like, Lana's like, I'm going to be the best driver because I can just wait for people. I'm like, these people should know how to drive, right? When you see someone and you're like, that's a turn line. That means you turn, turn, you know, like they can hear you. I know. I do that all the time, you guys. I talk to people in their cars, and like they can hear me, and I'm mad because they're not responding to me. Like, I'm talking to you. You're in another car, you know, 20 feet away. I haven't, you know, I should know that they can't hear me, but I keep doing it. I don't know why, but so basically, I want to talk about having these victorious mindsets, having, um, having like hope and, and, and commitment and, and seeing things through and, and seeing what the blessing in your life that God has for you. And to, the main ingredient of that is to be able to act and think in faith in every area of your life. And it's easy to not do. It's easy to come here because you know, I'm going to come here and there's going to be chairs and I'm going to sit down and I know they're going to say Jesus, Bible, or God. They're going to say one of those things, maybe all of them if it's a good day. You know, so I checked it. it. You know that it's easy to bring God into your life at that time. You know you can go up to anybody here and start a conversation of what God did in your life, and they're probably going to be excited for you, not think that you have cooties and be like, oh, get away from me. You know what I mean? You can bring it up anywhere here, and it's easy. It's really easy to live, to invite Christ into our life where other people are inviting Christ into their life. And then you go to work. That's maybe not so easy because, you know, if someone's had a bad experience with God, well, really not with God. No one can have a bad experience with God. They can have a bad experience with Christians who are walking things out. They can have a bad experience with a church. They can have a bad experience with religion, but you're never going to have a bad experience with God, right? That's right. So, you know, and you go to work and maybe they've had a bad experience and you come in with your Christian hat on, your Christian boots on, and you're like, Jesus, Bible, God, Jesus, Bible, God. And they're like, I hate you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now, now for that, now I'm going to avoid you. And now you're not even ever going to get an opportunity to, so, to speak into my life because I have an issue. And you didn't ask God what it was, and you came in and started doing your little dance in front of me. Now it's hard to bring God into that area of your life, isn't it? Yeah. You know, all different things. So sometimes we think we're carrying God everywhere, but when we look, I remember having a conversation with someone that I worked with, and um, I was telling the story about, hey, this person came up to me, and I didn't even know they knew my name. They also worked in the, in the school system, and they said, hey, I just know you're a Christian, and I just um, wanted, I wanted to know if you would, you know, pray this over for my family, da-da-da. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and just went about my day. And this person saw that, and, and they're like, that's awesome. And um, what happened is, because we worked together, someone said to me, well, I wanted to say privately, because I didn't know if everyone was a Christian that you worked with. And I thought about that, and I thought, you know what? People should know we're a Christian, not by us telling them, but by just watching us, not know, like they didn't have to know me personally and even talk to me before that to know that. And I thought, 
that's what I want, Lord, in every area of my life. Because there are areas that definitely are not like that. If you catch me in the middle of a road issue, <laughs> when you're not turning, you might not realize that I'm a Christian, right? If you don't turn when you're supposed to turn or use your blinker, you know, that person might not know that I'm a Christian. So I'm thinking about that. Like, how do I bring my faith, how do I bring these victorious mindsets into every area? Um, and so I'm going to start right in Genesis. So God is a good God. He always offers hope. He gives us promises. How do we, how do we walk those promises out and say, you know what, God? I'm in a desert season, but I'm still going to walk with you. I still believe what you said. So this is way back in Genesis um, 17 about Abraham. And I'm just going to start in one. And it says, When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Cana, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. That's a pretty good promise. So like everything, the nation, people, so like you're going to be blessed for generations. That's what, that's what being my friend does for you. I mean, Abraham got a really good end of the deal with God. That's a, like if someone come and said, I want to buy you a house and I'm going to make sure your kids are healthy. I'm going to make, a, I'm going to make sure, you know, I'm going to pay for their college and your grandkids college. It's going to be good. We're going to hang out. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be like, ah, that's awesome, right? <laughs> like if someone said, I'm paying your bills, I'm giving you like the prime hunting land. You know, 200 acres of prime hunting land. How many of you guys would like that? Yeah, we got hunters in here, I know that. You know, and I'm going to pay the bill. I'm going to f- take care of all of it, and not just for you, for any children you have, and their children, and their children, and their children. And he just kept going on. I mean, you'd be like, what's happening? Like, richest man ever just came to my life. Yes, God is. So this is what he promised Abraham. Okay. Abraham didn't know it was God, and he fell face down. He's like, okay, yes, good, your God is awesome. So they kind of made this covenant. So Abraham's like, all right, I believe you. But then some things started to happen. You know, he's like, yeah, you're going to have a son. You just talked to me. You do know that I'm 99. And my wife, you should see her. (laughs) She ain't a spring chicken anymore, God. Like, you should know this already before you entered this. He's like, no worries. So they kind of made a little, they believed what God said. But then they thought, well, maybe I know better than God. Made a little mess of things, you know. I don't know many men that'd be like, you know what? I'll just sleep with another woman to make that happen after God said not to. (laughs) And so he made a little mess, but God said, you know what? Don't worry. 
you know, we can clean that up. This is going to happen. So I'm going to give you guys a timeline. I'm going to be like Matt, like I did history, you guys. This is a big deal for me. I'm not really, I am like a topical preacher. (laughs) So I actually did history. So this timeline comes into things. So I want you guys to see how faithful God is. But when we look at our situations that maybe are days or weeks or months or a couple of years to see how long the people of God waited for God to do what he said he was going to do because he's always faithful. So in 2066 BC, Isaac was born. Big deal. Here we go. Isaac is born. They were almost as old as dirt. You guys know that geriatric pregnancy is considered age 35. So I don't know what Sarah's pregnancy was considered. (laughs) I don't know what comes after geriatric pregnancy, but she was there, okay? So, I mean, that's like a miracle right there. Um, You know, having a baby at 100, I thought, man, I don't know what it'd be like to have a baby after 30. Like when I turned 30, I thought, I'm glad I got that done with. (laughs) I'm already tired, you know. I couldn't imagine having a baby at 100 years old. So God came through, and so they're thinking, okay, this is really happening, really good. So faith is rising. They had waited all of this time. I mean, usually by age 40, you're thinking, I'm probably, you know, I'm going to adopt or something like that. Like that time is past, and, you know, God can still do it in another way. God's like, oh, no old-fashioned way, the way I created it to happen, it's going to (laughs) happen. You know, I don't know if Sarah's like, oh, no, I don't want to do this. Abraham, can you go back and ask God for a different way? (laughs) Those of you who had a baby, you're like, amen, that would have been nice. So, So faith is rising. It's been a while. And then you have Joseph. And, you know, he gets sold into slavery, and then he becomes, like, the leader of the country. But then after that, the Israelites were put into slavery for, like, 400 years. And they go for 430 years, and then God's like, no, it's still coming. I mean, I don't know if I would have believed what God said if, like, I had to tell my children, and then they had to tell their children for 430 years. You're thinking, um, we've been in slavery longer than, like, God promised that this was going to happen. So, I don't know. Like, at least Abraham only had to wait, like, five years for Isaac or whatever from when God told him to when they had the baby. Like, this is 430 years. Then, Moses is born. And, uh, Pharaoh was like, uh, guess what? This is not happening. We are not going to, your generations, you know what? You're not going to be the father of many nations. That decree that was said, we're going to kill all the babies. Throw them into the river. They're done, every baby, okay? And not just newborns. We're talking like toddlers and stuff like this. Take out the whole generation. That kind of is a big deal. It's kind of hard to grow your nation if you have an entire generation that is done away with. So, in that, here's Moses. They're like, hey, there's a, we got a great idea. You know the Nile River that's filled with hippos and, and crocodiles and stuff? I'm going to take uh, my little baby brother. I'm going to put him in a little you know, basket. I'm going to float him down the river and see what happens. 
You know, you're thinking like that, like that would, I mean, you really have to believe that God is going to do what he said he's going to do to do that. I don't think if God told me when I, when I first had my babies, if he said, you know what, just take the cart and I couldn't even think I could just roll it down the hallway and hope that it doesn't hit something, you know, like I couldn't do 20 feet out of putting my newborn baby in a basket and being like, you're good, God's got you. Even though he hasn't been around for 430 years and we've been in slavery, I know this one time, right? That's, that's hard. That's the hard part. So we do know that, um, that, you know, that was in 1446 B.C., that this happened, that Moses, he survived, you know, being in the basket, and we know that a lot happened, and then all of a sudden, they're free. So they're like, okay, well, this is a step towards what God said, that, you know, he's going to save all mankind, and that it's going to be the father of many nations, and kings are going to come from them. So, you know, it's getting a little bit... Um, a little bit of faith is rising. So about another 400 years, in 1010 B.C., King David becomes king. And the thing about that was King David had faith. So, I mean, look at the time between there. Another 400 years, you're talking about this, before King David becomes a king. Before they have the king that's going to come through that line. So King David, he had to, you know, before he was a king, he was just a little shepherd boy. Like, he was probably like, these teenagers age around there when he was, you know, he was 14 or whatever. And they're like, hey, you know, armies, there's this army and we can't defeat them. They're really powerful. They got this guy. He huge. Um, and with that, like, we're all scared of him because he's huge. And so David's like, you know what? I remember when that guy said to me that I was going to be king and I'm not a king yet, so I'm just going to throw some rocks at him, and it's going to happen, because, you know, nothing bad can happen to me, because I'm not king yet, and he said I was going to be king, so, you know, he just walks up to him and said, I'm going to cut your head off, you're done, that's it, God said, and that's how it happened, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I would have been able to do that at 14, like, I was afraid to, like, walk to the bathroom without my friends, I don't think I could have walked, <laughs> you know what I mean? Walked up and, and did that. So he did that. So the faith, 400, another, you know, you had that another 400 years and then all of this is going on and he's like, okay, I believe what God said. They waited and they waited and they waited and they waited. I think I was born for this time because I don't think I would have made it 400 years. If I hadn't seen anything for 400 years and my mom said, hey, let me tell you that about Abraham and I would have been like, um, I'm a slave, and I'm greasing rocks here <laughs> to make pyramids. I don't really think there's a God. Have you seen our life? Have you seen? I don't think I would listen to my mom, right, or my dad. Especially as a teenager, I would have been like, you are delusional. This is our life. <laughs> How many of you guys have felt that in your own life, and you're not even a slave? And you're thinking, there is no way I'm listening to what you have to say. I've seen how we grew up. I've seen that. So I'm like, thank you, Lord, that I am born here where I have more of the story. Because, man, they had to have faith. They had to believe that God would do what he said he would do. So after that, there was, Israel was divided for over 900 years. 
Division in over 900 years is a big deal. I mean, one division makes a huge problem. Could you imagine just dividing all of this for 900 years? That's a lot of generations. A lot of generations. I don't even know what my great-grandma's middle name is. That's just a couple generations removed, right? This is lots of generations. Hundreds of generations have went by in this time. But these people still had hope. They still had faith that God was going to bring salvation to the world. That he was going to make a way for everyone to enter his family into the kingdom. Man. That's a lot. I mean, I, I, skipping back to, you know, Moses, they actually kept Joseph's tomb, and Joseph's like, take my body out of here when you go. He had faith for his bones Amen. to be moved out. I don't think if I'm running for my life, I'm going to think, guys, get that big, heavy um, casket over there. Let's go. It's all made of cement. <laughs> Hurry, there's water around you. Like, you know, this... if. You know, we can't run really fast if this starts to come down. Like, I'd be at the front. Like, hey, guys, all you have to know is just don't be the slowest one, right? When you're running away from something, just don't be the slowest one. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. So, but God did that. He made a way for, every, for everyone to enter his family and his kingdom. So, with Israel going is dissolved, um, for over 900 years, the Hebrew people were dominated by major prophets and minor prophets and other kings. They were occupied by foreign countries. But during that time, the Hebrews were repeatedly promised by God that they would be delivered from their oppressor by anointed one, the Messiah. Which brings us to 37 BC, where Herod the Great becomes king. He was not so great. But God knew that. And he was part of the plan. So, 900 years. 900 years. But here's the kicker. 400 of them, God didn't say anything. You ever give anyone the silent treatment? Two minutes in, they're like, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Why are you talking to me? Yeah. 400 years, God's like, hmm okay, maybe the plan has changed because he hasn't said anything. Like, are we going the right direction? Like, everything bad is happening and God is not saying anything for 400 years. I would kind of wonder if I'm going the wrong direction. If I'm not hearing God's voice, you're not hearing stories of what God has done. And right now, everything's a mess. Different people have occupied your... It just looks like... Okay, um, how are we going to do this? Thousands of years waiting, believing, keeping their faith strong. I mean, I think I go a week where something goes wrong and I'm like, God, why didn't you just come through for me? I just can't do this anymore. 2,666 years. Plus 37, math people, I think, right? Because, you know, no, 2006. You know, it's, or 33, because Jesus came 33. So, and, and came to the cross. So you think about, think about that. That's a lot of years. I have trouble looking a year in advance sometimes and thinking, 
God, how are you going to get me out of this mess? Because this pit is deep and it's dark and I put myself here and for some reason I just keep shoveling. (laughs) Do you ever get there? Do you guys ever get there? You're in the pit. You recognize you're in the pit. You recognize you're doing things to cause destruction to your life. And you just... And I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, Lord, take this shovel away from me. I'm just digging. I don't know where I'm going. I do that with my mouth when I start getting mad. I'm like... The Holy Spirit's saying, shut up, shut up, just stop. Like, like, stop, walk away, like, do something. And, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to tell you, Holy Spirit. And he's like, don't go, don't do it, Sarah, don't do it. And I keep saying it. And as I'm saying it, I'm screaming inside, what are you doing? Does anyone else see that? That's me. That is so me. And then I'm like, oh, that's a lot of repenting. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, you only would have had to have, like, one little issue of repentance if you would have stopped 20 minutes ago. And I'm like, yeah, so there's another thing. (sighs) Why does it always feel like things never happen for me? I've been waiting, and I'm waiting, and nothing actually happens. Actually, if something does happen, it gets worse. (laughs) It gets worse. (laughs) It's darker. And I'm thinking... Oh, I just got this great word spoken over me. And now everything is just crumbling around me. I have less options and less options every day. Woo! That's how it feels sometimes. When we're waiting. This is what happens when we don't intentionally live by faith in all we do. We forget to include God in an equation, and then we're looking for solutions, we're looking for options in our mind. It's not that big, you guys. We don't use that much percentage of our brain. And he's like, well, you're losing options because I'm not there. I have every option and every solution with me, in me, you know, I gave you the Holy Spirit because he's like this instruction book living inside you that's like, hey, you should try this. This is really going to work. Like when he was telling me to shut up and I didn't listen, he's like, that's the option. The option is to be quiet and not dig your pit where you can't get out. In Romans 14, 23, it says, for anything we do that that doesn't spring from faith is by definition sinful oh man it's kind of harsh if it doesn't come from faith sinful so if we're going to work and we're saying holy spirit stay out here i'm going to believe for my i'm going to believe my employer for my paycheck i'm going to be believe for my husband or my kids or my spouse if you know to meet my needs You know, I'm going to believe that, you know, my friends, they're the ones that bring joy into my life or whatever it is, and you put God on the outside, that's actually sinful. But it's easy to do. So that means whatever is from faith will become a positive force in your life and those around you. When you have doubt, we act without releasing faith into the atmosphere. You ever walk in somewhere and it just feels good? Faith's probably been released there. 
You ever walk in somewhere and you're like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. Like it feels off. You ever walk into someone's house and they had a fight, you didn't know about it, but you knew about it the moment you walked in there because you could feel it in the atmosphere? Because we are spiritual beings and as much as we try to keep God out of areas of our life, he said, is not going to happen. You said that you wanted me to be king of your life, to come into my heart, that you laid your life down so that I could lead you in good things and prosper you. So guess what? You're going to feel what I'm feeling. You're going to experience what I'm experiencing because you know what? We're now one together. I live inside you with the Holy Spirit. Something wonderful happens when we choose to do everything by faith. It propels us to live our lives believing that God is with us in every situation, whether he is active, whether he's supportive, even when he's silent. Um. It is hard when we feel scared or doubtful or unsupported or, or sick or things happen because when God is active and you're seeing it and boom, you got a miracle, you got a healing, you know, you're seeing it, God, he just blessed you, you know what, you needed a bill and boom, the money was there, you know, and it's like you've been, you've been asking God to send you a friend and all of a sudden he gave you all of these great friends. It is awesome when God is active right there. When God's supportive, and he's like, you're like, hey, I have a bill. He's like, yeah, I gave you three jobs. Go to work. You're like, okay. <laughs> but there's people there. And I struggle with people because they're mean to me. You know, that one we're kind of like, okay. You know, where God's like, here's an opportunity. And he's just supporting you. You know, we still, we still like that sometimes. But when God's silent and he's just watching and saying, you know, He's just watching like, you know what? You've already learned this. I trust you. I trust you because I asked you to go out and spread the gospel. I trust you. You can do this. Jesus did it with disciples. He's like, hey, I trained you. It's good. Go out. He didn't go with them. They come back and they're like, uh, Jesus, we just made a huge mess. He's like, okay, well, remember this. Go back out. We're doing it again. You're not just going to come here and cry and I'm going to support. So there's times when God is silent and we're like, so that's a little bit harder when we're feeling scared, doubtful, or unsupported when God is like in those silent moments. He's still there. I remember when Lana was, I think, five and um, Mel had let us, we were riding horses and Lana was on this horse and it was fun. It was great. You know what? She'd been doing this for a while and she... um, She's starting to ride bareback, and the horse started going a little bit. And you know what happened? Boom, face right into the dirt, you know, eating dirt, like her whole face and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm running over there. I'm running ugly because I run really ugly, you know. And I'm like, oh. And I get there, and Mal grabs my arm, and she's like, stop. It's like, she's fine. And in that moment, she's before I got to Lana, she said, if you, if you let her not get back on, she'll always have fear. And so I went back out the gate, and Lana is screaming, and Mel picks her up and says, You're, you know, she was, she was okay. She wasn't injured, okay? Just had dirt. And put her on the horse. So I'll give you that much. Like, if she was injured, like, nothing's stopping me, okay? So she was okay. I'll give you that much. And she put her on the horse, and Lana is screaming for me. You know, and, and, and the mouse walking with the horse, and I'm silent. I'm outside the thing, and I'm just smiling, 
And inside, I'm crying because my daughter is crying tears, screaming, Mom! Mom! And she's reaching for me as they're walking away. And I looked at her and I thought, she has to do this because she's going to be scared. And I turned and I walked away so that she could not see me anymore. I mean, that as a mom, my heart. But what that did was I was like, I know that you got this. It was a silent moment, and she's not scared of horses. She's, you know, she rode after that lots of times. You know, we had a great time, but that was a make-or-break moment of how she would view those type of animals in that moment. And I, I got to cho- choose. You know, was I going to be like God? You know, was I going to be active and be like, "Oh, it's okay, honey," and just take her away? Oh, that mean horse! And, and I can't believe Mel put you on there, or something like. You know what I mean? I could have made it a huge thing and caused a huge fear and huge doubt, and I would have taken the place that God already had for her to have a learning experience, and I would have taken that from her and caused fear to grow in her life. See, that's why God sometimes is silent for us too. See, that's a little thing because, you know, I'm not God. But for me, that was a little moment of sometimes as a parent, our love for our children needs to be, I want them to grow more than I want to comfort them. Their failure is important to their growth. And so no matter how painful it is to me, I mean, do you not think it's painful for God to watch us when we make bad decisions? And he's like, but I want to give you that decision. I love you so much that I'm not going to force you. If we start doing things by faith, you know, that took faith to walk away from my child in the moment they're screaming for you covered in dirt, you know. But if we start doing things by faith, we will have longevity. We can withstand the desert seasons. We can withstand the storms of life because we know there is going to be a change in season. We live in Michigan. We understand that. There's going... But if we're always coming in and we take care of every situation before we let God teach anything or let God do anything... You know, and then usually we mess it up. And then people say, well, you said God would take care of this. (laughs) Oh, I stepped in. and (laughs) That's where longevity comes. That's why, because they believed God over everything. They could go 2,000 years believing one promise. It's a long time. That's why when we live... We need to attend church in faith that that's where God's called us. That's where our gifts are going to be. That's the region. That's the area. Not because we got offended at another church. We shouldn't be going to a church because we're mad at another church. Well, I'm not going to go there. We got seven other churches and I'm going to try them all. Till they make me mad. Till they say something I don't like. Like Jesus says, Lord, I don't like anyone to be Lord over me. Got to go to another church. There's a Unitarian church up there that doesn't say Jesus. Go ahead. It's about 45 minutes away. (laughs) But that's what it is. Sometimes instead of going where God's called us, we're doing something because we didn't like something. And God's saying, you know, no, we need to live in faith of what God has called us to do. You know, buy things in in faith. Don't just impulse buy. Say, God, what is going to bless this situation? 
You know, my choice, what has the most blessing on it? If you're attending school, ask, why am I here today? What's my mission? Is it to be kind or is it to learn because God's going to use the education I have for something to further the kingdom? You might be there for a different reason every single day. The same goes for your job and your relationships, in your giving, in your ministering, in your learning. Why are you learning? Why does God want me to learn this? Why am I picking this up and why am I reading this book for the hundredth time? Because I didn't get it the 99 times and he really needs that for me to get it so that I can move on to the destiny he has for me. I'm going to bring them into every situation. That's why I don't have to read Christian books and watch Christian TV and listen to Christian music. I'm going to share something. Um, Remember when I taught about that Twisted Sisters song, We're Not Going to Take It? Jordan the other day sent me a thing, and he, um, it was actually about the guy who wrote that song, and he, everyone thought that they were evil, and they were not, you know, they're not good people, and they're demonic, and actually the guy who wrote the song was a born-again believer. He didn't do drugs. You know, he had crazy hair, but look at this. I mean, um, <laughs> he had big crazy hair. You know, he didn't do drugs. He didn't drink or anything. He had a three-year-old. He's, he proclaimed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he said, I write these songs, and people take them and turn the words, and actually, what well, I didn't mean it for that. I meant it for basically that, you know, they're not, you're, you're not going to take it. You're not, I'm not going to take the enemy basically doing that to me, and I thought, how good is that? That's how you can bring God in every area of your life. Instead of saying, well, I can't listen to that song because it's Christian. I didn't know when I did that that he was a believer, but God knew And God said, that is going to glorify because I gave you that idea. I gave you that thought process. I gave you that psalm to sing on. Instead of being like, well, this is my Christian life and this isn't. God is saying, live in every area with, bring me in every area and it will increase your faith. Don't just do what you think you know you should do or look sensible. What looks sensible to us and the choices that look the best to us are not actually sensible to God. Rub mud on your face. Let a donkey talk to you. (laughs) Sorry, Don. (laughs) 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 You know, things like that. Um, Ask God to go what direction he's moving you towards, even if it looks scary or rocky. I'm pretty sure when they were in slavery... It was hard to be like, God, is this where you want us? He's like, oh, yeah, because of how far down you were and how oppressed you were, it's going to be that, you're going to be that much free. It's going to be amazing how I can do this. So, so no worries. It's kind of like the fork in the road. You ever watch a TV show? I always think of Beauty and the Beast. And she come, or the dad is going, and he's going to um, take this, his invention to the fair. And he's like, oh, it's a shortcut, and there's a fork in the road. And the one way looks, there's like birds singing, and the sun shining, and beautiful trees. And the other way is like fog, and there's no leaves on the tree. And he's like, let's go this way. I'm choosing the sunshine. But God's like, sometimes you've got to go through the hard stuff. Sometimes you've got to go through the hard stuff. It looks rocky, but that changed the destiny for their life forever. You know, they ended up, God took care of every, or in the movie, God takes care of everything, but in that movie, basically what happened is, you know, they became, they got to live in a castle, all their needs were met, they weren't, you know, I mean, just for one 
going through one dark season. So sometimes the fork in the road, we think we know what's best. This looks really good, God, so I'm going to do it. And God's like, actually, your destiny is through here. Well, I don't want to go through there. God's like, yeah, but the blessing and the favor is right on the other side of that. I would say most of the things that I've had that have been like the amazing blessings, the amazing moments, the greatest seasons happen because we choose to do them in faith. It's exciting when you're on the other side of the testimony to share it and you love sharing that. That's, that's right. If we always choose what we think is right, we never go down. We don't have testimonies. You ever hear a fluff testimony and you're like, you need something to happen in your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's not encouraging. Exactly. You know? I've always had everything taken care of and Jesus is so good. You're like, well, that is, we don't, must not have the same Jesus because <laughs> that is not my life. I think my first step of faith was choosing Jesus. I was a Catholic girl in a Catholic family who now got saved and chose Jesus. If you understand, growing up in my household, there was Catholic and there was not Catholic. That's it. I had to hide that I got saved for five years. I could never tell anyone in my family for five years. I used to lie to my mom and say I was going roller skating. I was going to a party so I could go to church. I mean, how many parents are like, yeah, go to a party over church? I even got like my coaches to lie for me so I could skip practice and be back so my mom wouldn't know. So I could go to church and hear about Jesus. It's emotional because you think, man, that choice that I had to, I, I laid down a lot to make a choice. But man, what it had done for me. It was amazing. Then I think, oh, I need to take some water. <laughs> mm. To bring God in every area of my life. Oh, see, my children, I'm going to need those. I have good kids, you guys. So the next thing I looked, a big thing that I had to, we had to bring God is, into was I had to allow God to come in when I got pregnant with Layla. And I had to say, okay, God, am I in charge of my body or are you? And when, when the doctor said, you need to have an abortion, this child is not going to be born alive, we had to stop and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm 20 years old. And they bring us in to counsel us for an abortion. Because in Michigan, when there's a medical thing, up to six months, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And in that moment, it sounded good. You know what? I'd been sick. This is at, you know, I'm five months along. I'd been sick every single day for five months. And I thought, God, maybe, maybe that's what you're telling me. Maybe this is the solution. That moment came into my mind. And then God said, that is not the path I have for you. You know? I, had, I still listened to the doctors. I still heard their wisdom. But I had to choose as, God, what did you say? 
What did you say? You said with long life you would satisfy me and show me salvation. I said, and my baby is not even a year old. She's in my womb. You guaranteed her 70 or 80 years, and I'm calling you to the carpet right now on that. And you're going to do something. I don't know what you're going to do, but you're going to do something. The doctors let us go thinking, "Ah." they were scared of me, I think, because I was like this crazy lady that kept telling them, I don't think that's how it's going to work out. No. But man, those amazing moments, those steps of faith saying, okay, God, I know this is going to take time. And I just wanted to get, I did want to give up because I'm sick. If you're sick every day, you're like, that's an easy way. Like, maybe that's what you wanted, God. You know? But also inviting God into your finances. I look at my car, and I look at that and say, okay, God, you're telling me to ask for a car, number one, that I can't afford. All I said is I would like this, and you said, okay. And I have to go ask for this embarrassing number. I'm going to be laughed out of here. It's going to be embarrassing because I'm trying to be God and keep him out of that part of my life. And God said, would you let me in? I said, okay. And I walked in and it wasn't embarrassing. Everything went my way. The guy actually was like, I just want to do more and more for you. And I'm like, you already talked to him. You already planned this (laughs) way before I ever even got a clue about the situation. I'm all worried, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to afford it? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Oh, that bill, I'm going to... And God's like, I already have it. Would you just do it? Would you just continue in the walk that I have for you? I look at our addition, which is going up amazing, you guys. I'm so excited. And in one of the worst financial moments in, our, in a decade in our life, God just walks right up to me. Sarah, um, I also want you to tell Matt because I think it would be better coming from you. <laughs> That's what he does to me. Um. I want you to add on because you're going to use that for ministry, okay? And I'm like, uh, we've been eating spaghetti for like a week. <laughs> Are you sure this is? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, I'm believing that. And a lot of things happened. We had to change contractors in September, and everybody's going, you know what? Every contractor right now, it's so good. They're booked out a year to 18 months but you want this to happen this year. It's September of this year. And so we had to have faith, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. Me and Matt, we stood together. We did it, and it's going up, and it should really be almost completely done by January. So that's what I'm saying about choosing faith. Your, Your amazing moments come from those seasons when you have to make a choice. If someone's always coming in there, if you always want God to be active and come in and save you, you're not going to have the strength to go through those hard seasons. God was silent in some of those times, and I was thinking, oh, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, and I wanted to be like Abraham, and I wanted to go fix the problem, and God said, no, you're going to walk through the problem. You're going to walk through the situation. That's how you're victorious. If you go over here and you make a mess of things and try to fix it, now you got two problems. you got a mess. You got to clean up. Now, I said this is happening. Now, do you believe me or not? Are you going to talk about it? Are you going to share about it? Or are you always going to just wait until after it happens and then share your testimony? And people are like, 
I never even heard you talk about that until then. You talk about it before it happens, and then it happens, and then you share your testimony, and people are like, I remember when there, like, that was like, no, there was no way that was happening. Okay? That's good. It's scary. It looked impossible. But we made choices to take it where God wanted it. In Proverbs 16.25, it says, Before every person there is a path that seems like the right one to take, but it leads straight to hell. God said you can take any path you want. You are allowed. He will not stop you. He will not get in your way. He won't even put stumbling blocks in front of you. You are allowed to take any path. And you're like, I got this. I'm right. Everything's going good. You know what I mean? Things are going too good. The enemy's probably going before you, making your path in the wrong direction. wants to make it easy. So the, but what seems, he said, before every person there is a path that seems like the right one to take. But God's saying, just running around, using, you know, oh, the Lord, I believe the Lord said, whatever you, in whatever situation you want so that you can get your way. Well, I'm just going to use God said, or, or that's what I believe God is saying to me so that I can do whatever I want to do. I can justify every decision I make so I can go on my own path and no one will ever say anything to me. We don't like it when people say stuff to us because it's already, most of the time they're right. And that's why they're saying it. Like, that's a bad decision. No, it's not. The Lord told me. He told you the opposite, but you're, you know, you're going to go on whatever you want to go on. Doing it your way. Actually, that's really just manipulation, not faith. We're just trying to manipulate people to get them to, to agree with us. That's not faith. That's just ignoring, you know, in ignoring an issue. It's not faith. It's just ignorance. Faith is like, I actually believe God said this. I don't even actually know how it's, he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. I know I'm going really late today, guys. I'm almost done. So <laughs> we have to come to a place of confidence through knowing God you know, knowing his truth, truth about ourselves. We know that through scripture. You know that through healthy relationships with strong believers who are there to help facilitate that faith by maturing your relationship with Jesus and God the Father. You know, he's going to send a savior. They believed it. You know, 2,000 years they waited. It happened. We are living in that. He's coming again. And you know what? We need to... And sometimes he's silent, but that's okay. So when we look and we say, I can't wait two weeks. I can't wait six months. I can't wait a year for this change or this job or whatever. God's saying, I said that I'm coming back. I said that I died for every, every man, woman, and child. And I asked you to go out and spread the gospel to all the nations of the earth. That is your job. Quit looking at your circumstance and saying, well, this is too big for God. It's not. Faith is believing God will do what he said he will do, especially when it looks impossible. Let's go finish on that because God is good. So let's just pray.